Welcome back to the, the Uncensored CMO. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Kate Waters, Director of Client Planning and Strategy at ITV. As some of you may know, ITV audiences have never been higher, and yet their revenues from advertising have been hit dramatically over the past few weeks as advertisers pull back on spend. So I was fascinated to find out from Kate, how are ITV coping in this crisis? What does it mean for programming? What are we going to see coming up? And is she seeing any signs that advertisers are starting to return back to TV? Because after all, TV represents one of the most powerful and now particularly cost-effective ways of advertising to your audience. So you'll enjoy this one. Here is Kate Waters from ITV. Welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. I, I, I kind of feel I should ask you how you're doing because it, it's um, it seems like the right thing to do at these you know in these uh, unprecedented times as, uh, as Google searches of unprecedented. So so how are the unprecedented times working out for you? So I I have to confess to being uh, I think actually I mean I'm very lucky. I've got a lovely house. I've got a you know a supportive family. Uh, I've got a stable job. So I'm very conscious of all of that stuff making lockdown much easier for me than it is for many many others. But also, actually, I'm an off-the-scale introvert. And so I think probably being in isolation, so to speak, or, or, you know, sort of seeing far fewer people than normal actually suits my personality quite well. So I think for those of us who do often struggle with open plan working environments and lots of noise and lots of interruption, I quite relish having a little bit more, what feels like a little bit more kind of quiet time. And I don't find that too difficult. And I get to spend time with people that I love. Um, and so far, we've all been quite lively to each other most of the time and the teenagers are getting on. So actually, I'm very lucky, I think, um, and doing fine. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. What, what a lovely note to start start off on. Um, so uh, obviously, everything changed quite dramatically a few weeks ago for, for you and for ITV. What's been the impact of coronavirus on, on, on ITV? And uh, yeah, what's what's happened over the last few weeks? The first thing that we saw, obviously, was um, the travel industry getting obviously very, very nervous about it. And so, you know, we first saw, I suppose, an impact on advertising revenues um, from the travel industry. Um, that then very quickly spread as soon as we went into lockdown. So, so we've seen, obviously, uh, it's been kind of widely reported in the press, but um, you know, a big decrease in ad, ad revenues. But actually, I think you know, as, a, as the commercial side of the business has kind of stood up really well, the, the side of the business that um, has seen enormous changes uh, is obviously the kind of broadcast side and the production side. So I think this time last year, we had about 220 productions sort of, you know, ongoing and being made. Uh, we now have 13. So essentially what the lockdown has done is just completely shut down. I mean, globally, the production industry. So there's nothing being made at the moment. You know, apart from a few things, so, you know, we're still producing uh, daytime shows on a skeleton staff from kind of one um, one studio. But what's very odd is that on the one hand, we can't make things at the moment. But what we are seeing is a huge uplift in viewing because obviously everybody is, is at home. Um, so things like daytime are doing incredibly well. Um, so, you know, big uplift in audiences generally, uh, big change in the structure of the audience, actually. So it's, it's a lot more ABC ones, a lot more 16 to 34s. Uh, so it's kind of it's really interesting in the way that these shows have kind of been opened up to new audiences 
and obviously we've had some amazing uh, drama hits as well. So things like um, Quiz, which told the story of the coughing major on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That was um, brilliant. The acting in that was, uh, it was so like Chris Tarrant. I, 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 it was spooky, wasn't it? How, how yeah. good. And it's uh, the other thing was, that's, yeah. that's wonderful about it actually, and was very odd because it aired quite soon into the lockdown. Uh, it was a lot of it, all of the scenes of, of ITV are shot in our office. So for those of us who are used to being in the office, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was uh, really, really interesting. And then it just, uh, so, so that was a fantastic show um, and it got a huge audience. I think it was the biggest um, drama audience this year. And then things like, um, obviously, Britain's Got Talent have been flying. So so the from a schedule point of view and from an audience viewing point of view, it's an incredibly positive story. From a production side of things, that's much harder. And that means that, you know, like a lot of businesses, we've, you know, we're having to preserve uh, cash and uh, we furloughed, um, you know, a large, large number of people from the production side of the business. And our job in commercial is to, to sort of try and keep the money coming in uh, to tide us over. So if you're making 13 new productions this year versus 222 last year, does the schedule physically run out? I mean, do you sort of like like run out of programming or have you got this kind of locker somewhere where you've you've made a few weeks in advance that you can kind of draw on I mean how does all that work out it must be a quite a job for somebody to figure out what you're going to put on air yeah I mean there's there's obviously the scheduling team are incredibly busy and uh and there's obviously there is there is a kind of locker if you like so um you know so things like for example the soaps um you know they, they they're all shot in advance so they can they have a you know a, a large period of time that they can keep running on air and uh, we're hopeful that the soap production will get up, back up and running. And in fact, there are going to be, uh, I think they've, they've written a, I think it's a week's worth, uh, six episodes worth, um, which, are, which can be shot in isolation. So they just feature two actors um, and can shot from, shot from basically from their homes. So there's some really clever things that they're doing to sort of keep production alive where possible. So we're joking at the beginning, weren't we, about unprecedented times, but, um, you know, we, we're viewing, you would think as an outsider that we're viewing going up by as much as it is, you must be doing really well in terms of advertising, but that's not the case, is it, in terms of advertisers have dropped out a lot. How, how, does, that, how does that work? Okay, so the, the, it's, it's a slightly dark art of, of TV uh, media, which people don't, there's no reason why they should understand it unless you work in the industry. So um, the price of TV advertising is a function of demand and supply. So demand is how much revenue there is in the market that's coming in from advertisers. Um, supply is essentially how, um, how many eyeballs there are. Um, and the price is calculated as an output of demand over supply. So at the moment, when um, demand is down uh, and supply is up, uh, that means that our price uh, is deflated. Uh, so actually, it, there's never been a cheaper time to be on television than now. You can't, you can't get, you, you couldn't literally in a generation have got better value. But of course, you know, this is at a time where a lot of advertisers are really struggling to find the cash, you know, to, to carry on advertising. And it's a, it's a really difficult balance because, you know, most of them, I suspect, will, will know all of the evidence base that says if you can continue to advertise, you should. And you come out of these difficult times much stronger uh, is the best time to steal a march on your competitors in terms of share of voice. Um, you know, but of course, the, when, you know, I mean, every business, our business is having to preserve cash as much as possible. So it's easy to see how people cut advertising budgets. Mm. I, you're totally right. I mean, it, it, it almost sounds, for some businesses, it's about survival, isn't it, right at the moment? And, you know, there's no other way of looking at it. But you're absolutely right. If you can afford to advertise, what an opportunity to get huge share of voice compared to your competitors. 
and uh, and and I say uh, I know you you know this very well, but the um, the Peter Field work with the IPA talking about the advertisers advertise through a recession, what they see coming out of the recession in terms of market share gains is is quite impressive. Are you seeing any change in advertisers' stance in terms of advertising? Are you seeing any signs that there may be uh, some normality returning? What's the sort of latest? So Intel. I think there's I think there's there's kind of two angles to this. So there is both um, the number of people who want to be on air and who are advertising, and then there's also the the kind of I suppose the type of content that they're putting out there. Um, so I think the really good news is you know quite literally in the last three or four days so we, we've had more and more conversations with clients across lots of different categories actually, but particularly things like retail, uh, FMCG, automotive who are talking about when they want to come back on air it feels like this kind of pent-up demand waiting to come back quite quickly which is which is fantastic news and i think as always with with these kinds of issues actually uh, there's a really strong sort of herd mentality to it in some respects which is really you know which is completely understandable um so you know we saw in the very early days you know there, there was you know as, as one advertiser pulled back and then another one did and then there were headlines all over the place about the fact that you know 55 percent of advertisers have pulled their spend and so on and you say, you go, okay, the normal thing to do in this situation is to pull back my budget. And I think what we are sensing as well is that now that the reverse is beginning to happen, people seeing their competitors or seeing other categories go back on air gives people confidence as well. So hopefully that will turn into a, a really sort of positive story going forward. Are you seeing a change in the type of advertising that advertisers are doing as well? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we're beginning to. So I think, um, you know, when, when we first went into lockdown, there was that kind of massive rush to to do a COVID-19 specific ad. And uh, certainly in the early days, it felt like the only thing that was appropriate to do was, was to essentially say, stay at home, um, look after yourselves, you know, thank you to the uh, key workers and all those sorts of things. Um, and there's still a bit of that about, you know, and I think that probably will carry on for a while. But what we're beginning to see is people thinking ahead a little bit and beginning to look to the return of consumer demand, beginning to think about how they can keep their brand alive um, and I think what we're, what we're seeing actually through other sources of, of insight, so our audiences team do a lot of research, obviously looking not just at, at advertiser audiences, but, but the kind of viewers and what they want and what they're looking for. And what we're seeing is a little bit of tiredness with the sort of user generated content style of stuff and, you know, all of the kind of very honest and authentic stories and so on and actually people want a bit more escapism they want they want they want to be able to forget that this has all been a bit rubbish and therefore they're looking for higher production values and they are looking for a sense of normality and so I think as an advertiser that gives you the opportunity so long as you're not saying rush out and meet all of your family and uh, you know behave inappropriately but actually just normal advertising I, I think is part of creating a sense of normality again. yeah yeah, and no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So talking about advertising, obviously you're an advertiser yourself as well, aren't you, in terms of ITV? And I have to say, I loved what you did a couple of weeks ago with Clap for Carers. It was just, I, I thought it was brilliant. And I mean, you talked about kind of typical COVID-19 advertising. I think you guys nailed it. And, and it's almost, I think, the example of getting it right because it felt so authentic. It was very positive. It had a lovely message in there about, you know, carry on talking and it was uplifting. and it was almost quite sweet in 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 the spot that you, you had people sort of getting it wrong or fluffing their lines. It kind of was was incredibly authentic. So where did uh, where did that idea come from? So I'm gonna so I, I can wax lyrical about this because it's absolutely nothing to do with me. So so that ad that campaign 
is the brainchild of, uh, I, I think, a combination of, of teams at ITV. So obviously the ITV marketing team, but also the ITV social purpose team, whose who's kind of big initiative is uh, Get Britain Talking, um, and also Uncommon, who are our uh, ad agency. And so Get Britain Talking is, was an, obviously a campaign that launched last year. And I think what Claire Phillips, uh, who's our director of social purpose, and, and her team spotted very quickly uh, was the enormous pressure that, that lockdown was going to place on everybody's mental health. So it felt like a very natural time to kind of launch the second stage of that. So it sort of grew out of that and it grew out of this, you know, out of a message that we have been putting a lot of effort behind and a lot of resource behind for, you know, the best part now of a year, which is which is to kind of keep talking to people. So I think sort of point about getting it right. One of the things that's right about it is that it, it feels distinctive for the brand because it's it's something that plays into the messaging that we'd already been talking about. I think the genius creative idea, uh, you know, which you can see in that ad is flipping it from clap for the carers to clap from the carers, um, which was just a just a, a bit of creative genius. And if I'm honest, I don't know where it came from. It, you know, it might have been on Carmen, it might have been Claire, it might have been the marketing team. It was probably, as always with these things, a, a kind of combination of them all. Um, but I, I do think the execution of it as well is is brilliant, and you know, and as you rightly say, having having the sort of bits which are people slightly fluffing their lines, doing it in a really charming way, that sense of authenticity, you know, it just makes you smile um, and makes for an, a, an uplifting message at a time when that's what sort of people need to hear a little bit. I think. Yeah, had uh, quite a funny thing today actually. My my uh, my daughter Lilia, who's who's eleven, um, for a school project, she had to. Uh, interview one of her parents about what they did for a job and uh, so she kind of briefed me earlier today and and, and uh, she said um, my daddy is the world expert on what what makes a good advert <laughs> and so she's got this little script which is basically asking me so daddy who does the best advertising for during coronavirus and who does the worst and <laughs> oh that's <laughs> so, very sweet I, remember so I feel my, like yeah. I've, I've put it out there slightly too much now kind of bigging you know a slight overclaim on my part, but um, anyway, I, I, I told us to go and have a look at ITV. So uh, oh, well, she's going to she's going to she's going to copy and paste that into a school project. So Excellent. You, you you've made it to St Anne's School in Chelmsford. Um, the the other thing I heard uh, heard um, you, you guys announced fairly recently as well, which I, I thought was a lovely idea, was was the getting the nation to make their own adverts. Where, what, what's behind that? Tell us more about that. So that's um, so that idea is the brainchild of a chap called Chris Golson, who is our director of um, trade marketing. And I think he what he spotted was was the fact that lots of people at home are uh, piling their kind of creativity into recreating stuff. So I think there, there, uh, there's a couple of museums around the world which have almost set little Twitter challenges asking people to recreate images. Um, and you know, there's always something in the meme stream with people, you know, recreating stuff. So it was sort of part of spotting a trend that was already happening, and then coupling that with the fact that obviously, you know, there there is this, there are there are ads that are iconic and are kind of just seared on the nation's retina in some way. And sort of, um, you know, if we could put the two together, then we could create, you know, and champion and showcase some of the kind of brilliant creativity that's at home, whilst at the same time also actually, you know, putting some brands front and centre in people's minds again. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun when we are, I mean, I'm judging the awards, uh, or the entries rather, I should say, I'm judging them um, tomorrow. So I think so far we've had about 100 and there's another day to go. So hopefully we'll get another few in. I mean, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what people do with them. Because um, I, I think there will be, 
you know, people have such brilliant creative thoughts that you've never sort of, you know, you, you can't come up with yourself, but they come out of the environment in which people live or the, you know, their particular view on life. So I'm sure we'll see some really good, really good stuff. Mm. Something, something I, I think we've learned in the last few weeks is that it doesn't take a lot of money and, and a high production to make a good ad. Um, I mean, I saw the system one data showing that ads, uh, ads made this year versus last year are actually better despite all the constraints of not having big production teams and, and so on. So I, I wonder whether there's going to be a, I don't know if it's a resurgence or whether there's going to be more sort of user generated content. I wonder if this idea could sort of end up becoming a source of kind of, I, I guess it's sort of open source creativity, isn't it? You know, get your, get your audience to make your ad for you. Do you think that could? Uh... Yeah, I think it is. So I think the, um, you know, there is a reason that we have an ad industry and there's a reason that we have a really strong and, you know, I mean, world famous in, in many respects, creative industry in this country. And I, you know, so it is writing a good ad is really, really hard. And I think the craft that goes into making great advertising shouldn't be underestimated. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the the number of ads that are around at the moment that feature users generated content is very much a function of the inability to produce stuff in any other way. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a trend that is absolutely a function of the restrictions under which uh, we're operating right now. I'm pretty sure that come Christmas time, you know, there'll be a whole load of animation ad style ads and that's because nobody can make live action and everybody's making their Christmas ads now and having to kind of second, it must be really hard actually, second guess what the nation's going to be looking I, for. I, I, spoke, I spoke to someone this morning actually on the MS account who was grappling with exactly that question. That, you know, they've been briefed on the MS Christmas ad and they're just like, well, we just don't know what, you know, what's going to be around, you know, how are we going to be at Christmas? I think um, so actually on this, my team is doing um, some work on this question at the moment because we're getting asked it by people all over the place. Um, and so it is, it is really interesting. Our, our um, for, for what it's worth, our hypothesis is that all of the stuff that we normally lean into at Christmas, so all of the emotion of it, uh, all of the, the kind of nostalgia, all of the kind of almost escapist and sort of idealized Christmases, uh, all, all of that sentiment is going to be even stronger because this one is going to mean more than anything else. It's going to be imbued with extraordinary emotion because of the people that we've lost and also the people that we can we can now get together with maybe. And I think it's going to, you know, Orlando's talked about this, you know, this kind of moved empathy. And I think that will still be there. So I suspect we're going to see one of the most emotional and nostalgic and empathetic sort of styles of Christmas advertising we have even even compared with previous years. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. Absolutely, that's, that's, a, that's a, a strong prediction. I'll I'll, uh, I'll back you on that one. I think that's uh, going to be a good forecast. Um, are there any other any other changes you're anticipating as you look forward now? How how else do you think the industry could change um, as a result of coronavirus? Well, so, so, I mean, there's some very broad changes. So there's stuff about working practices and, and things like that. So I, 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 I think what's been very interesting about this is for an industry that, you know, and I always used to say this, I think there's a reason that ad agencies have kind of almost resisted a lot of the kind of um, remote working until now. And that's because we all thought that you needed to be in the same place together to, to be creative. And this period has kind of forced us to realize that you can still be creative apart. You know, sometimes it's harder, some things are made a bit easier. So I think there'll be a whole load of changes in the, in the structure and the working practice and all of those sorts of things. I think the, the big trend that I suppose I'm fearful of 
and I don't know if there's very much that we can do to resist this, but there will inevitably, I think, be obviously a, a kind of downturn. Um, fingers crossed it's sort of shorter than, than some people are saying um, and, and that it will be V-shaped rather than you know U-shaped and all that sort of stuff. But I think what we always see in those kind of situations is people rushing to sort of short-term promotional, tactical, sales-led advertising. You know, again, we all know the evidence is there that suggests that that's the wrong thing to do, but it's really hard to resist that pressure. But I just hope that maybe, you know, we're seeing ads performing really well now and they're ads that are uh, empathetic, that speak to the kind of right brain, that, uh, you know, tick all of the boxes that we that we know work and maybe we can hold our nerve and, and keep doing ads like that mm. it'd be wonderful wouldn't it if, if this is actually an opportunity to make advertising better in you know more effective make you know as easy talks about appeals to the right hand part of our brain rather than the left hand that'd be wonderful that'd be a great outcome of this wouldn't it as, as a as a positive yeah it would and i think it's um you know there, there was a time um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, where a, a greater proportion of the nation claimed that they enjoyed ads. Um, you know, now, I mean, there are some ads that people really do enjoy, and those are the ones that do become iconic, um, you know, for all the right reasons. But I think, you know, we're now at a point where there is so much antipathy from the, from the public towards advertising that actually, if, if, if in this period where we are all more responsive to stuff and where advertisers are thinking i think much harder about how to en how to engage and how to be sensitive to people's needs and emotions you know it would be brilliant if actually a as a legacy of this we could we could as an industry come out of it in a more positive place with a better understanding of of how to make advertising that uh that upsets people less and that actually they are you know, e you know even e you know that that um that they are just a little bit more responsive to, whilst recognising, obviously, that, you know, for most people, advertising is a completely passive sort of thing at best, and at worst, something that interrupts them, but, you know, done, done well, it can sometimes be positive too. I don't know if there's any data about this, but obviously, given, like, there's virtually no outdoor at the moment, a lot less radio, um, TV does seem to be the centre of, you know, where people are being creative and where advertising is, is kind of flourishing. So... I wonder if there will also be a bit of a renaissance in in kind of TV, you know, being at the heart of campaigns again. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think I think for a lot of advertisers, TV does still play a very important role. I think, um, you know, obviously the the media industry has exploded and fragmented at the same time. So there are loads more opportunities for advertisers to get involved in lots of different channels. You know, I'm I'm old enough to you know to remember when I first started. It was pretty much, you know, TV plus a bit of print and some outdoor, and that was it. And if you were lucky, maybe a bit of radio as well, just to spice it up a bit. And obviously, the the world has changed so much from there. So I think, you know, we then there may be a, a a little bit of a renaissance. I think you know part of my job is to is is to champion the role of TV advertising. It, it does stuff brilliantly that no other channel can do. You know, nothing else can can quite engage people as emotionally and allow people to tell their brand stories as powerfully as TV does. I think as an industry, we have a lot of work to do to kind of help advertisers really understand that and to see the benefit of that. Um, so there's all sorts of issues with measurement and, and things that we we need to lean into and I think you know sort of help more. But I think other, the other thing that might come of this is that, you know, certainly within ITV and I suspect within other broadcasters, you know, we have responded to the to the downturn by being as flexible and as helpful as we can. 
and that's meant we've had to change a lot of processes internally and it may be that going forward um you know some of those things stick you know they you know they, they processes were there for very good reasons to enable us to predict revenues and all those sorts of things but a little bit more flexibility might emerge from this and i think that would be a really helpful thing for everybody actually oh, that's really good thank you and um, that's going to come on to my last question really it's, is it if people want to um kind of get in touch take advantage where where do where do they go to because if, if they're interested in uh, getting back on tv um, what, what should they do so we have we have a ready and waiting sales team i'm very happy to help uh so there so the easiest thing to do is probably to email um itv commercial at itv.com uh, which is the sort of generic commercial inbox um and then if if an email goes there then we can get in touch uh you know, or by all means, uh, if people want to, they can get in touch with me and I'm kate.waters uh, at itv.com. Um, that's probably the easiest way. So if you're listening, do get in contact with Kate, do check out ITV and uh, take advantage of these unprecedented times. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to chat. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you.